MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Find your perfect mattress and get up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, January 16th, 2023. Today, the mysterious mystery of George Santos's money and what that reminds me of in the latest round of subpoenas from special counsel Jack Smith, some clarification on the Biden classified documents, the Trump deposition in the E. Jean Carroll case has been released, and the wife of an Iowa Republican has been arrested for voter fraud. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hi, Dana. Hello. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. How's your weekend? Uh, I traveled most of the weekend and then I was trying to also find a lost cat. And I know I want to thank listeners and followers on Twitter. There were I had about a dozen, maybe two dozen people reach out to me and say, hey, I'll chip in 10 bucks for your reward for finding your cat. So I was like, all right, all these people want to chip in. So I set up a little GoFundMe so that they could. It's up to $3,000, Dana. That's amazing. You've got a good crew. That's how incredible everyone is. And if if for some reason, Bruce Willis just saunters in one day and the reward is not needed, I have said I'm going to donate that to a, a local animal shelter. And there is a local animal that I'd like to start uh, taking care of and sort of sponsor this little guy. He's very cool. His name is Sasha. He's a gray and white kitty. He was following me around as I was shaking treats looking for Bruce. No. So I want to get him neutered and and um, vaccinated and tested and flea dipped and all that stuff. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm, you know, if we don't need the reward. And there's a lot of good people out there who might not take it anyway, but the money is going to go to help animals in need. So thank you all so much for that. That's really, really huge. So I'm in, I'm in D.C. Where are you? I am also on the East Coast. So we nice. are both, yep. Coming to you in your ears, not live, but recorded from the East Coast. <laughs> yes. So so uh, it's very cold for us Californians. and uh, It is indeed. I was very ill prepared with my hoodies and yoga pants. To oh, dear. In New York and D.C. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but you know what? Despite where we are in the country, the news happens and we have a lot of it from over the weekend. So why don't we jump in? Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, so we're going to kick this off with uh, a, a little story about some interesting things that happened over the weekend. Some MAGA-minded folks might disagree and try to tell you that the number of classified documents found at Biden's Wilmington residence changing from one to five is the biggest story of the weekend. But I have to disagree and say the biggest story is actually a one-two punch of treachery that seem like separate stories but have more in common than meets the eye, at least in legacy media if you know what I mean. So first up, I'm sure most of you caught the segment on Alex Wagner about the George Santos thing, if that really is your name, sir, campaign money shell game that he plays. From the New York Times, a month before Santos was elected to Congress, one of his large donors received a call asking him to consider making another big contribution. The request came from a Republican loyalist, 
calling on behalf of Redstone Strategies. Sounds awful lot like Treadstone from the Born Identity series, <laughs> which was described in an email to the donor as an independent expenditure group that was supporting Mr. Santos's bid to flip a Democratic House seat in New York. The group had already raised 800 grand and was seeking to raise another 700,000, according to the email, which was reviewed by the Times. The donor came through. Days later, on October 21st, he sent $25,000 to a Wells Fargo bank account belonging to Redstone Strategies. Three months later, Mr. Santos is now in Congress. But where's the donor's money? Where did it go? That's unclear. The FEC said it has no evidence that Redstone Strategies was registered as a political group. And there do not appear to be any records documenting its donors, contributions, or spending. It doesn't seem to exist. Huh, imagine that. Put a pin in that, because I'm going to come back to something eerily similar. It has been marked. Thank you. Mr. Santos and his lawyer refused to answer questions about Redstone's fundraising efforts, but it appears that Santos was directly involved in at least one donor solicitation. He also has ties to Redstone Strategies LLC, registered to an address in Merritt, Florida. Florida. Hmm. In November 2021. And Mr. Santos, that's when he was preparing his second run for Congress. The firm listed DeVolder Organization, a company owned by Santos, as one of its managing officers. A company website describes that Redstone is being run by experters in marketing and others in politics. Experters. Huh. It seems like that could have been workshopped a little more. Hmm, maybe some proofreading there. Whose services in ad creation, communications, and fundraising will have value, quote, no matter if you are in a local race or if you are going to be the next president of the United States. <laughs> Really? Congress and the president? <laughs> Republican? Florida? Imaginary PACs? Hmm. Something, something's ringing a bell. Yet, this firm's body of work, at least for candidates and committees that are required to file campaign expense reports, like by law, appears very limited. A time search of campaign finance records uncovered payments from a failed House candidate on Long Island and two groups tied to New York legislative candidates. Yes, I put a little draw there on my um, on Long Island. It also shows a payment from a pack called Rise New York, run by Santos's sister, Tiffany. Hmm. Man, I think we're alone now. State records show that a group sent a wire transfer for six grand in April 2022 to Redstone Strategies. It listed Wells Fargo Bank branch on Merritt Island as its address. What? <laughs> the murkiness around this fundraising operation or operations on behalf of Santos makes it very difficult to know whether any laws were broken. That's according to the Times. According to AG on the Daily Beans, it's fucking really <laughs> obvious that he broke some laws. <laughs> but a close examination of available records suggests Redstone may have skirted the law, they say. Yeah, they fucking did. An email to a donor described it as an independent expenditure committee under federal campaign finance law with the singular purpose of electing Santos. Such groups, known as PACs, can support candidates by raising vast sums of money far beyond strict campaign donor limits, but even so, there's still rules. You have to register with the FEC and you can't coordinate directly with campaigns. But if this motherfucker solicited donations himself for this pack that nobody can seem to find, that would be a crime. The FEC has no record of Redstone Strategies. The Daily Beast has reported Redstone Strategies LLC of Florida had a connection to Santos, but the existence of a group operating under the name Redstone raising large sums of money for his election has not previously been revealed. I don't see a record by a committee of that name registered with the FEC. And our regulations would be if a political group raises more than $1,000 for the purpose of influencing a federal election, they'd be required to register with the FEC within 10 days. That's Christian Hilland, FEC spokesperson. 
The person who solicited the donor said he was asked by Santos in the weeks leading up to the campaign to approach donors, some of whom had already given the maximum allowed, to help coordinate their donations to Redstone. Coordinate. Coordinate is a very sticky word with the law when it comes to super PACs and candidates. Santos seems to have played a more direct role in at least one of the solicitation efforts. On Thursday, another large donor to Santos said he was asked in September to make a sizable donation to a similarly named group, Redstone Action. Interesting. (laughs) And was told that other donors made six-figure contributions. That reminds me an awful lot of the Trump family lying about real estate value and even lying about how many condos sold in certain buildings. Remember when they were like, it's 90% sold out and it was like 20% sold out to entice people to buy Mm -hmm. more condos because it seemed like a popular location? That's called fraud. Manhattan DA Vance didn't prosecute him for that at the time. He's been let off the hook. Uh, You know, gosh, every single fucking time since forever. I know. Stephanie Miller keeps going, so what does AG think? This thinks there's going to be consequences and puts me on the spot every time. And I'm like, yeah, she still does. So do I. (laughs) (laughs) But something else reminded me of this, Dana, something that came up in a a new round of subpoenas sent out from Jack Smith's office, special counsel. And in the massive four page document, which we cover in detail, Andy McCabe and I on the latest episode of Jack, which is out now. So you want the because this is a four page, huge subpoena and we'd go over everything. But one of the two dozen things, two dozen that it's seeking is information about something called the Election Defense Fund. Okay, astute listeners or those who might have been at the 1-6 committee hearings or watching them closely this past summer will remember that Zoe Lofgren called this part of the investigation the big grift. The day after the election and three days before the race was even called for Joe Biden, The RNC and Donald started a nine-week email donation campaign, sometimes sending 25 emails a day to raise money for something called the Election Defense Fund. Only trouble is, no such fund existed, and the donor money ended up getting funneled into PACs that did end up spending it eventually on legal defense, but for the legal defense of January 6th seditious conspirators and witnesses against Donald Trump and multiple ongoing investigations. Does that sound familiar? Uh, Entity make donations that doesn't exist based on fraud that goes to PACs? I don't know. Just rings a bell. So anyway, this is also, you know, some of those payments that came out of, of those PACs went to people like Passantino, who was representing Cassidy Hutchinson and told her to suborn perjury, in my personal opinion. So this is a very easy open and shut fraud case. It's being actively pursued by special counsel Jack Smith uh, and alongside the fraudulent elector scheme. I see a shift now and so does Andy McCabe. The DOJ seems to be focusing really heavy on the fundraising and the fraud around the big lie, defrauding donors specifically. It's much easier to prove that kind of fraud than something like inciting a riot or seditious conspiracy. And it happened a lot in Trump world. Sidney Powell's PAC has been under investigation. The Save America PAC, the new subpoena names three more PACs connected to Donald Trump and wants information on any that we might not have heard of or that you made up out of thin air. So it sounds like exactly what Santos was doing. And I would love for an investigator to find out if this is a Republican coordinated strategy anywhere in writing. So absolutely. And obviously it goes a lot under the law to intent. It's very hard to prove intent with the riot. But when you come out and said that the big lie, you know, that the election was stolen, it was stolen, but behind doors, you're like, it wasn't stolen. I just don't want to fucking lose. But then you send out emails saying it was stolen. It's stolen. That is intent, intent to fraud your donors. 
Yeah, and it's so. easier to prove. And if you don't even really need to prove it if you set up a fake fucking thing that doesn't exist and told your donors to donate to it. Exactly. Now, Jill Stein did this with her recount fundraising, which was, you know, a big fraud scheme back in 2016. But she put in the fine print, hey, I probably won't be able to get recounts in a lot of these states. And in that case, your money is going to go over to my pack. Cool. Thanks. Cool. But there's yeah. no such fine print in these, oh, in these election fraud defense emails. So interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. Speaking of fraud, we're going to voter fraud. The wife of an Iowa Republican who ran for Congress in 2020 was arrested Thursday and accused of casting 23 fraudulent votes for her husband. In an 11-page indictment, prosecutors say Kim Fuang Taylor, quote, visited numerous households within the Vietnamese community in Woodbury County, where she collected absentee ballots for people who were not present at the time. Well, Taylor, who was born in Vietnam, then filled out and cast those ballots herself. And an indictment alleges, quote, causing the casting of votes in the names of residents who had no knowledge of and had not consented to the casting of their ballots. That's the law that's been broken. Now, Taylor is also accused of signing voter registration forms on behalf of residents who are not present. In all, prosecutors charged her with 26 counts of providing false information in registering and voting, three counts of fraudulent registration, and 23 counts of fraudulent voting. Each charge carries a maximum five-year prison sentence. Well, the goal, prosecutors allege, was to get her husband, the Republican politician, Jeremy Taylor, elected to public office. That makes sense that that would be the goal. Taylor ran in the 2020 GOP primary for Iowa's 4th Congressional District, which at the time was represented by Steve King, another horrible white supremacist. Remember that asshole? Oh, yeah. Fucking Nazi. Um, Allegedly. A far-right politician. As we know, Steve King had ties to white nationalists. Taylor ended up finishing third, garnering just over 6,400 votes and probably just at 6,400 since 23 of them were fraudulent. (laughs) He was more successful in the fall 2020 general election where he ran as a Republican candidate for Woodbury County Board of Supervisors. He serves presently as the board's vice chairperson. He did not immediately respond to a request for comment. I wonder why. Maybe he was talking to his wife on a prison cell phone. The couple met while Jeremy Taylor was teaching at a university in Vietnam, according to his official biography. They do have six children together. Kim Fuang Taylor's court-appointed attorney, John P. Greer, declined to comment on behalf of his client. And according to court documents, she is out on bail. Hmm. Interesting. I think that's the biggest case of voter fraud I've seen in a while. 23 votes. I know. Hmm. Always a Republican. Yeah. Yeah. It was for, and yeah, I, th- I saw... Cash Patel tried to put it out. Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh D'Souza tried to put it out like, look, voter fraud found in the Democratic state of New York. Yeah. And someone retweeted was like, and it was a Republican who was arrested. (laughs) Or was it Iowa? It's Iowa, right? Yeah. Republicans or Democratic state. And you're like, okay, first of all, that's not. And second of all, it was a Republican. Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. He's like, here we go. Okay, dude, take it down a notch. Yeah. mm -hmm. All right. Next up. President Biden's lawyers found an additional classified document trove, quote unquote. I wouldn't call it a trove, but they found additional classified documents at his home in Wilmington, Delaware. This week, the White House disclosed that Saturday. This is the latest in a string of revelations about the discovery of top secret government material that's now the subject of a Justice Department special counsel investigation by Robert Hur. And I have some concerns about Robert Hur, and you will hear them on the latest episode of the Jack podcast. Biden's personal lawyers initially found one document with a classified marking on Wednesday in a room adjacent to the garage, not next to his Corvette or whatever the fuck they're saying. 
and stopped searching the property because they do not have a security clearance. A White House lawyer with clearance then, Richard Sauber, arrived and found five more. So this wasn't like, a oh, we did a thorough search and found one, and then we went back in and found five more. What's That's fucking fishy. No, they found one and said, whoa, we don't have clearance. Let's get a guy who has clearance to come down here and look. And they did. So they found six. Now, because I have security clearance, I went to Wilmington, this is Sauber, to facilitate providing the document the president's personal counsel found on Wednesday to the Justice Department. While I was transferring it to the DOJ, officials who accompanied me, five additional pages with classification markings were discovered among the material with it for a total of six pages. Six at Wilmington. That's uh, DOJ officials with me immediately took possession of them. So he had DOJ officials with them. So people who were like, why isn't the DOJ involved? Well, here they are. Also on Saturday, Bob Bauer, the president's personal attorney, released a public timeline of events regarding the discovery of classified documents at Biden's personal office and his Wilmington home in an effort to demonstrate cooperation with the Justice Department's investigation. Statement outlines various steps the lawyers have taken since last November when they discovered what the White House described as a small number of classified documents at the Penn-Biden Center. The statements from Sauber and Bauer followed days of criticism directed at the White House for not being more transparent about the various discoveries of classified material. Bauer defended the Biden team for not being more forthcoming. First of all, dude is being too forthcoming, if you ask me. First, why Sauber didn't search everything back in May when the Department of Justice got a hold of classified from Trump's house is fucking beyond me. And second, why you didn't search everything and then tell us what you found instead of this drip, drip, drip of keeping the shit in the news cycle for exploitation. It makes it sound more, yeah, more salacious. Oh, he went in and there was one and he went in and there was five more and he went in and and then that's not what happened. And you're not going to be able to unspin it from the right wing media. Just fucking search everything and then come out and say, we found 20. I don't understand. This is an unforced error, personally, in my opinion, on behalf of of the Biden administration. By the way, the, the classified doesn't bother me as much as the way they're putting it out there. It is perfectly normal for a vice president and for a former vice president to have access to classified documents. And unless you're Trump, it's also normal for former presidents to have access to classified information. It happens a lot when current administrations, you know, need or want to seek expertise from someone who's been there or has some papers or has done some work. Obama did it with Bush. You know, I mean, it was it's very common to bring in past presidents and vice presidents and be like, what do you think about this? You know, and they look at the classifieds and stuff. Now, Trump is different because Biden rescinded his access to classified briefings because he's a fucking treacherous maniac. But it's normal. It is normal for a VP or a former VP to have access to classified documents. And Andrew McCabe explains on Jack about the classified entourage. I didn't know about this. So any principle, like when when Andy was head of the FBI and certainly a vice president, you know, any principal director, like a big person in the government, has always surrounded by classified information and documents. And they have a team, like an entourage of security document specialists, handlers. And they come with you, like when the vice president goes overseas, like when Pence went overseas to Ukraine, you know, all this this classified documents entourage goes with him. They set up a skiff in the hotel and they handle all the documents and he reviews them, right? That's what happens. It's not unheard of for an aide or the entourage to pack stuff up with the 
president's personal documents and maybe mix up a couple of documents. And I'll bet money there's no crime here, albeit, again, not the best handling of the press nor the best handling of classified. We need to address that, too. And further, you can't indict a sitting president, <laughs> member, <laughs> even, even, <laughs> if he's, even if he's found committing gross negligence under the Espionage Act. But he doesn't come anywhere close to meeting that threshold, in, in my opinion, given what we know. Given what we know, I'll, I'll put that caveat on it. But I, I still think Jack is going to indict Donald despite the right wing distraction. I'm much more interested in who's leaking this shit to Ken Delanian, of all people, and why he's being hailed as a voice of reason. He's the one who came out and said, you know, the Mueller report exonerated Trump. So I don't know what's going on. He says schmuck. He's a bit of a schmuck. <laughs> all right. I do want to give a content warning on this next story. This has to do with the E. Jean Carroll case and Donald Trump. So as you're listening, if this is just not something you'd like to hear, the good news is coming up in a bit. All right. This is content warning. Donald Trump used a sworn deposition in a case brought by his sexual assault accuser, E. Jean Carroll, to continue calling her a liar and claim she's mentally ill, denying that he sexually assaulted her or even as he falsely claimed Carroll said in a CNN interview that she enjoyed being raped. In rambling and combative testimony during an October session at Mar-a-Lago, Trump reiterated past claims he didn't know Carol, except as an adversary in what he termed hoax litigation, and said she was a nut job. He was fabricating the story altogether. Remind you, he's not president anymore when he's making these statements, okay? So there's, there's that. And uh, he went on to say, I know nothing about her. He said in response to questions from Carol's attorney, Roberta Kaplan, according to court documents unsealed Friday, I think she's sick, mentally sick. The former president twisted Carol's comments from a June 2019 interview with CNN anchor Anderson Cooper, in which she said she shied away from calling her alleged encounter with Trump a rape because the word has so many sexual connotations and is a fantasy for many. So she chose not to at the time. And this is a quote. I think most people think of rape as being sexy, she told Cooper, according to a transcript of the interview explaining that she instead thinks of her alleged attack as a fight. Trump cited the interview in telling Kaplan that Carol loved sexual assault. She actually indicated that she loved it, okay? Trump said in the deposition. In fact, I think she said it was sexy, didn't she? She said it was very sexy to be raped. Now, Kaplan then asked, so, sir, I just want to confirm, it's your testimony that Eugene Carroll said that she loved being sexually assaulted by you? And Trump answered, well, based on her interview with Anderson Cooper, I believe that's what took place. That, did, did he just not admit? Yeah. Well, one, that he knows her. And, and that, that, he ra- that he raped her and, and she thought it was sexy, which, yeah. by the way, she didn't say. She thought, I think other people think it's sexy, so I don't want to call it rape. I'm going to call it a fight. Right. And he and and Kaplan, what a great lawyer! Oh, Roberta's fantastic. Are you, are you saying? Are you saying she loved being sexually assaulted by you? Well, based on her interview, I believe that's what took place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, on Friday, U.S. District Court Judge Lewis Kaplan, not to be confused with Roberta Kaplan, Robbie, rejected a bid by Trump's attorneys to dismiss Carol's sexual assault lawsuit, which was filed under a New York law that lets sexual assault victims sue years later. Now, Trump lawyer Alina Haba. I know. So she will appeal the judge's decision not to toss out the newer case. The spokesman for Trump's 2024 presidential campaign declined for their comment. Not surprising. The D.C. Court of Appeals is considering whether the Justice Department can represent Trump 
as a federal employee, a long-running legal dispute that has been heard by various courts and could effectively put an end to the defamation claims altogether. Now, Kaplan has scheduled an April trial date for both lawsuits. That's the judge again. The deposition depicts a full display of Trump's trademark bluster. He complained to Robbie Kaplan, the attorney, about having to, quote, waste a whole day doing these ridiculous questions with you and said he would sue both Carol and her attorney after this is over, which he probably fucking will, even if he loses. He also insisted incorrectly that Truth Social, the social media website he launched in response to his disciplinary removal from Twitter, said it was more successful than mainstream sites like Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. Now, Truth Social, whose audience has reportedly grown since its rocky, very rocky launch, it still has nowhere near the reach as other apps on this market that he was mentioning. Well, Kaplan asked Trump during the deposition to list times he's labeled an event as a hoax, which he has said about Carol's allegations. And this is a quote, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine hoax, Trump replied, apparent references to federal probes into Russia's interference into the 2016 election and Trump's alleged meddling in the disbursement of Ukraine military funding during his term. He listed several others instead of the legal proceedings initiated by Carol. This is a hoax too. Well, when directly asked if he'd ever sexually assaulted or touched a woman's intimate parts without consent, his lawyer objected and Trump responded. And this is a quote. Well, I'll tell you no, but you may have some people like your client that lie. That's what Trump said. Mm-hmm. Now, I recommend everyone read the deposition if you can stomach it. And with that answer, if when, when that question was, have you ever touched a woman's intimate parts without consent? I just wish they would play the Billy Bush tape. I mean, it's just him saying, you can do whatever you want as your cele- if you're a celebrity. Grab him by the pussy. I don't wait to kiss women. Mm-hmm. I just move on them like a bitch. Like, it's his own words. Yeah. Were you, were you lying to Billy 100%. Bush or are you lying to me? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. You lying to the court or him? Get him. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, corner him on that question. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry about the story. I know it's very hard for some people, but it's important news. And we're still hoping that Eugene is the one to bring this son of a bitch down. That'd be great. All right. We're going to be right back with the good news. If you have good news to send us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. We'll be right back after this break. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG, and I cannot stop talking about how much I love my Helix mattress. My Helix Sleep mattress is amazing. It's changed my life. Helix Sleep makes high-quality custom mattresses that help fit your sleep issues just like they fixed mine. Helix knows everyone is unique, so they have many different models to choose from, including soft, medium, and firm beds, even a Helix Plus mattress for plus-size people. And they have a quiz to help you find your perfect mattress. Mine is the Helix Midnight because I wanted something with a medium feel, and I sleep on my side. As you know, the whole world knows now that I sleep on my side. I love my mattress so much. So if you're looking for a mattress, go take the quiz, order the one you're matched to, and the mattress will come right to your door shipped for free. Helix is awesome, but you don't have to take my word for it. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. They even have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it for 100 sleeps with no risk. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will, I promise. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Sleep is so important. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helixsleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off your mattress and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. (laughs) 
near. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt with us, where we try to badly guess what breeds are in your rescue pup. (laughs) Or if you want to uh, give a shout out to an adoptable pet in your area or a shout out to a person you love or a small business in your community, anything you want to do, send it in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up from Ray, pronouns he and him. My good news is that the fuel pump replacement in my 2004 Jetta seems to have fixed the intermittent start issue, which keeps me on track for historical plates in about a year. It's definitely a classic. No touchscreens, stock AM, FM radio with cassette and CD support, a five-speed manual transmission and an anti-theft device. This is a 2004 Jetta. Like I had a boyfriend who drove one of these in high school. <laughs> okay, confession. No, I, I, uh, high school, I wish. It was 2004. It was nowhere near when I went to high school. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify I was joking. Confession from Ray. This is not that exciting and not the real reason I wrote you. I just wanted to gift an inside joke that you meant to make, but somehow ended up in my head instead of your head. No panoos is good panoos with Allison Panute. <laughs> uh, remember no news is good news. I do. Yep. I also have a label I think deserves repeating, main extreme Republicans. Everyone was bending over backwards trying to figure out how to differentiate the extreme MAGA from the main extreme Republicans. The phrase meant it makes it easy without accidentally mistaking them for lesser evils. For pet tax, I give you a cat in a box. Luna likes to be vacuumed. Actually, really, she follows us around when we clean and begs to be vacuumed. (laughs) Oh my goodness, look at this. Oh, kitty in a box. Kitty in a waffle box. Waffle box. Eggo chocolate chip waffles. Mm. Right? Thank you for that. Cool 2004 Jetta story. And also, no panoos is good panoos with Allison Panute. I like it. Good joke. And uh, main extreme Republicans. I, I think we can... That seems workable, right? I think it's a mouthful, but we'll get it out. Yeah. <laughs> And get it out. All right. This is from Kathy S. Pronouns she and her. Hello, Leguminati. It delights me every time you air the attack style negative ad about they might be giants long delayed current tour. The good news here is in my part of Florida is that my friends and I will finally see them live again in March after five long years since they were here. Best band in the world, provably, in my opinion. Thanks for appreciating them. My goodness, Dana. And included the link in this is the theymightbegiants.com show. So we've got the schedule. And yes, I agree. I think it's one of the best bands. AG obviously agrees with that too. Some of my favorite (laughs) songs are from They Might Be Giants. It's still one of my most amazing moments like in my whole life when we were just starting and I found out that they had done a dial a song about our podcast. And so good. That's like one, that's like the, I used to call in to dial a song. My parents were like, what is this toll charge? Um, back when you had to like pick up an actual telephone from a landline and call things and long distance, you know, now it's like it costs money to dial outside of your area code. Think about that. Think about all the people who <laughs> who you call that aren't in your area code and how you just have to pay for that. Yep. Bananas. All right. Next up from cat pronouns she and her. Here's a picture of uh oh. It's oh, a baby picture for Dana. A picture of my newborn daughter from <gasps> January 9th, 2023. We've gotten the habit of listening to all of your podcasts. Jack, clean up on aisle 45, Daily Beans, during our early morning snuggle times. Oh, the burrito. I may or may not have a little snow hat like the little tiniest beanie on this (laughs) tiniest baby. So cute. And by may or may not, I definitely do. 
You definitely do. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the next one too. Go for it. From Elizabeth, pronoun she and her. Hi, Allison and Dana. I've been listening to your podcast since the kitchen days. I enjoy and appreciate everything you do. I'm a Canadian senior citizen. I was never really interested that much in U.S. politics or Canadian for that matter until Donald, as Mary prefers, became president. So unbelievable that happened. Anyways, I finally became a patron last year when I was able to afford it so I could see the good news pictures. So worth it. Thank you. I usually listen to your podcast sometimes the second time when I take my dog Murphy for his afternoon walk. He knows it's time and gets excited when he hears the intro. (laughs) We're Pavlovian now. Cute. I've attached a picture of him. He's a schnoodle. While I was visiting my daughter in BC this past, this past, I guess, week probably, we passed by a coffee shop, The Hard Bean in Port Moody. And I just had to get my daughter to snap a picture for me. Next visit, I'll definitely give it a go. Also, I saw on Facebook to send pictures of pets stuck in something. This is my dog daughter, Molly. She can get out the small doggy door that her brother uses but got into a bit of a bother coming back in. She's the sweetest. She's now 14. We have no idea what breeds she has in her, but she's beautiful. And we always get a lot of compliments when we walk her. There's the hard bean. Love yep. it. There's the schnoodle. Cutie. Cute. Oh, the dog door. This looks like a, a dachshund. It looks like a dachshund like mix. A dachshund corgi or something. Oh my God. It's really cute. But yeah, that is the doggy door came right in. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so good. So, so good. All right. Mr. Holbita, pronouns he and him. Hey, Beans Queens. Love following the show. You gather the news I care about in one place and keep me informed. I have a fan casting suggestion. In the inevitable movie, Jack Smith should be played by Silas Weir Mitchell. You may know him from Grimm. The resemblance is uncanny, and it really is. I can't pay the pet tax, so I'm borrowing my friend's cat, Tullius named for the imperial general in skyrim 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 Uh, (laughs) skyrim skyrim i love it oh my god here he's reclining on the back of the couch keeping awesome yeah this is a really good casting dude that looks just like him yeah it does i like the idea i like the idea if i butchered your last name i apologize or if this is some sort of a a nickname but um thank you so much mr holbida that looks just like him. That is Obita. that is freaky. And the kitty is adorable with the arms. I do accept those arms. Thank you very much for sending that in. And thanks to everyone for sending in all of these things. Dana, you got a baby picture today. I didn't get frog orgies. You're, I be- did. you're, you're way ahead of me. Um, I think we're getting pretty close. Your fans have been really good <laughs> about going to like zoos and ponds and really being just photographing frog orgies for you, which I think is hilarious. The due diligence is not lost on me. I appreciate every single one of you. And if you have anything you want to send in to us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here today? I know you're going to be gone tomorrow traveling, but you'll be back with us the next day. I will indeed. So everyone have a great day tomorrow. I will miss you, but I will be back. And I will be here in your ears until then. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your mental health. Take care of the planet. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW.
Media.